Well, I'd like to invite you today to join me in praying for our nation. So, Father God, we lift our nation to you. God, we ask that your presence and your power and your spirit would be poured out in the United States. God, we ask for reconciliation. Lord, we pray for restoration and healing, God. God, we thank you for your provision. Lord, we thank you for your care. And God, we ask that your spirit would be poured out on every man, woman, boy, and girl. And that, Jesus, you would be the Lord of our hearts, that you would be the Lord of this nation. God, we ask that you would move in power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles today to a couple of places. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 29 and Matthew chapter 16. Jeremiah 29 and Matthew 16. I can't believe that we are halfway through the, the year. It is, uh, it is July 5th. We've passed the halfway mark. Uh, and I, I think you would agree that I did not see 2020 going the way that it has. And what I'd like to do today as we pass this halfway mark, uh, this moment in, in, uh, in this year, I want to look back for just a minute at the start of this year and some things that we started as a church. Uh, I want to share uh, a little bit out of the message that I shared on the first Sunday of 2020 and then cast some vision for us as we look forward as a church into what I believe God wants to do in our hearts uh, individually and as a body. So we set out this year asking this question, who is God? And uh, we themed the entire year around that question, who is God? Or God is, and then fill in that blank. And the invitation to us as a congregation was this, that we would spend the, the 12 months of 2020 pressing into the Word of God, that we would that we would discover from His Word who God is, to understand his character, to understand his nature, to understand his ways and his heart, and, and, and just as many aspects and many facets of who God is. It's so important for us to ask this question, and I've shared this almost every Sunday this year, and we will continue to do it because I believe it is so important. Asking this question, what do I believe about God? And then how do I know that what I believe is true? And if it is true, how should it affect my life? These are important questions to ask. And the technical term for this, you've heard it before, is the term theology. And the reality is we are all theologians. We are all called to do the work of theology. It's not just reserved for those in academia, those who are scholars or who do it as a vocation, that every time we come to the Word of God and we ask the question, who is God? What does his word tell me about who he is and the way that he works in the world and the way that he works in my life and the things that he is asking of you and of me? We are doing the work of theology. You are a theologian. Theology is simply this. Theos is, uh, is the Greek word for God and logos is speech or word. And so what we're looking for is a word about God and understanding of who God is. Theologian Killian McDonald said this, the purpose of theology until the 12th century was not to explain God, but to know him in contemplation, adoration, praise, and thanksgiving. 
See, when we make theology just a pursuit to be able to explain who God is, we can miss the relational component. That the goal of theology is not just to be equipped with facts and understanding so we can explain who God is. The goal of theology was and still is to know God, to know Him intimately, to be able to praise Him and worship Him and lift Him on high. And so this is why we press into the presence of God, that we as a church, we as the body of Christ, have been called to gaze upon the face of God. And that's what we set out to do over the course of this year. Uh, we've, we've passed out journals, we've set up reading plans, uh, and we've created avenues and places where we can have this conversation as a congregation. And I've loved the things that I've heard, the encouragement that, that's come, uh, the, the, the discoveries that have been made about who God is. See, in order to know God, we must seek Him. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I, I would say amen to that. That's a great passage of Scripture. That's a great thing for us to hear, a great promise from the Lord. But in verse 12, he goes on and he says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What an amazing promise from the Lord. Not only does he say, I have a plan and a, and a, a future for you, that I want to prosper you. I don't want to harm you. And of course, he, he is speaking to the children of Israel here through the prophet Jeremiah. But what we know about God's word is those things that he declares throughout scripture are true for us as well, that God does not change. And so those promises are for us today, they are for you today, that God knows the plans He has for you, that He can see your entire life laid out, and He knows the plans, and they have plans to prosper you, to give you a hope, and to give you a future. But the invitation from the Lord is this, seek me, seek me. And when you seek me, and you, you, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That we're to call on Him, that we're to look for Him, that we're to rely on Him, that we're to seek Him with our lives. So as we were back in January looking at 2020, we had no idea what 2020 held in store for us. And we had dreams, certainly, as, as many of us do. We start out the year and we imagine the possibilities that a new year would hold. But we definitely were not expecting what has transpired in this year, the things that have come about. Uh, it's been a surprise for all of us and continues to unfold that way, even as we pass the halfway mark uh, of this year, just kind of thinking, well, Lord, what else does 2020 have in store? But here's the thing. God has not been taken by surprise. He's known all along what's going on. He is still firmly in, in control. And here's the great blessing, is that in the midst of trials and in the midst of adversity, God is making himself known. It could even be argued that we, we get a greater glimpse of who God is in the midst of adversity and trials because we're forced out of our comfort zone. And the invitation at the beginning of this year is that we would step out of those assumptions that we have about who God is 
and, and maybe get a little uncomfortable, to challenge those places in us that we just assume that we know who God is, and to really examine our, our hearts and our, and our thinking and our theology and our expression of, of how we carry out our relationship with the Lord. That's not an easy thing to do. Well, God has given us this great opportunity in the midst of the trials of this year to see His goodness, to lean in even more. And again, I love the promises of verse 12 and 13, that when we call to Him, He hears us and He answers us. And that when we seek Him, He will reveal Himself to us. That God is not playing a cosmic game of hide and seek that he is not withholding himself, that it's his great desire to make himself known to us. In fact, the very first of our four missional statements is, as a church is that, is that we would know God. In fact, the four of those are that we would know God, that we would grow as disciples, that we would learn to serve like Jesus, and that we would go into all the world and share the gospel. But it starts with knowing God, that we can't share about someone we don't know. We can't grow in someone that we don't know, and so we need to know God. Our reading for the first three months of the year focused on that. All of the passages were centered around knowing God. The second uh, part of the year, the second three months or the second quarter, we're focused on growing as disciples, but not just focused on ourselves, but understanding what is God calling us to? What does is, what is discipleship tell us about God? As we grow as disciples, what do we learn about the heart of God for His children and, that we, and how we would grow in Him? And so we've just come to the end of that, and I'm excited to let you know we have, we have new journals that are ready to go for this next, uh, this next quarter, and our focus for the next three months is going to be learning to serve like Jesus. We want to learn to serve like Jesus. It's not enough just to know God and know about Him, but we're called to actually walk out our theology practically. We're supposed to burn calories when it comes to doing the work of the gospel, to living as the, the way that Christ has called us to live, as the fruit of the Spirit is evidenced in our lives. And so, I, I want to look back at Matthew 16. It was the passage I shared on that first Sunday, and it's where we find Jesus having an encounter with his disciples in a place called Caesarea Philippi. And this is what it says, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, son, uh, you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is a powerful, powerful passage of scripture. As we read about this encounter that Jesus has with his disciples. And they're in this place called Caesarea Philippi, which in that region of the world at that time 
was the hotbed of pagan worship. It's the place where there were temples that were established to, to, to other gods. Uh, there were all kinds of sacrifices, human sacrifices, and, and, uh, and other rituals that were done. It was just a very dark, dark place. And it's in this place, it's in Caesarea Philippi, that Peter has this revelation of who Jesus is. It's in the midst of the darkest region in that time that Jesus' light shines bright, that there is this revelation of who he is. And so Jesus asked them, well, who do, you, who do the people say that I am? And they come up with all kinds of answers. They, they say, well, you're Elijah and you're a prophet. And, and, and then he says to them, well, what about you? What about you? Who do you say that I am? See, we can have distorted pictures of who God is. The people that the, the disciples were referencing had a distorted picture of who Jesus was. They didn't understand that he was God. They didn't understand who he truly was. And so Jesus presses on the disciples to ask that question, not, not to back them into a corner or, or make them uncomfortable, but to really emphasize that it's such an important question for us to ask. Who do you say that Jesus is? Not grandma, not mom, not dad, not uncle, not friend, not brother, not sister, not pastor, not college professor, not that author that you read. No, who do you say that Jesus is based on his revelation of who he is in your life through his word, through prayer, through his spirit, through even creation? Who do you say that I am? Such an important question for us to ask and answer. So Peter has this revelation. He says, you are the Messiah. You're the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And he makes this, this earth shattering declaration about who Jesus is. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. Blessed. Why? Why was he blessed? Not because he got the right answer. This is not about getting the right answer. No, he was blessed because he received a revelation from God about who Jesus is. That he got a clear picture of who God is. And this was so key for Peter because it would be the thing that would establish not just his ministry, but the ministry of the church to this day. The witness and the testimony and the ministry of what we do today goes all the way back to the revelation that Peter had in that place in Caesarea Philippi. And God continues to reveal himself. He continues to show himself, not just to Peter, not just to the disciples or the apostles or to those who are more educated or, or, or sin less than others. He reveals himself to anyone who would call on his name. We go back to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29. If you seek me, you will find me. If you call on me, I will answer I will answer you if you seek me with your whole heart. And so our goal is to press in and say, God, who are you? We want to know you. We want to see your face. We need a revelation of who God is. You need a revelation of who God is. And a revelation from his word is one of the best places that we can go. To turn to his word, to understand from his word who he is his nature, his character, and his work. 
Well, as I mentioned, for the next three months, we're going to focus on learning to serve like Jesus. In the passages and the reading in the journal for this next season, each week we'll focus on different aspects of the life and ministry of Jesus. See, the goal for us as Christians is to be conformed to the image of Jesus, that we are to look more and more like Jesus. That's why we're called Christians, that we are little Christs, that we would display His glory, that we would reflect His glory, that we would carry His presence to the world around us which means that we're called to live like Jesus lived. And we're called to serve like Jesus served. You see, we have in the person of Jesus Christ, one of the the greatest revelations of who God is. And there are certainly other places that we receive revelation. And I've mentioned some of those. We receive revelation through prayer. We receive, as Paul says in, in Romans 1, we receive revelation through creation itself. We receive revelation through our own experiences and through our relationships and even through our emotions and what we feel. But we have in Jesus probably the clearest revelation of who God is. You see, because God became flesh, that Jesus took on flesh. He he was no longer spirit. He is now flesh. He was tangible. He, He walked and talked and engaged with people and lived his life in public for people to see. And now, and now we have recorded in the Word of God this incredible life and ministry of Jesus. And as John says that we, even then, we only have a snapshot. He says if all of the things that were done in the life of Jesus, in John, John 21, he mentions this, if everything was recorded, that there would be not enough volumes to be able to fill uh, the, the, the story Uh, in in the life of Jesus. And so we have in Jesus this great revelation. And so we need to look to the life of Jesus to, to learn how do we live our lives? How are we called to serve and to be like Jesus? How do we engage with people around us? How do we love like Jesus? How do we give like Jesus did? How do we bring about reconciliation the way that Jesus did? See, the temptation is to do it in our own strength. The temptation is to say, well, I've got this figured out. I've learned some things. I know some things. I've got some strategies. But if Jesus is not at the center, it will fail. If Jesus is not at the center of what we do in our lives, it will not succeed. It may last for a little while. It's the man who built his house on the sand. And when the storm comes, it will fall down. But when we build our lives on the rock of Jesus Christ, that no matter what comes against us, we will stand strong. And so we cannot serve like Jesus if we do not know how he served. We can't do something that we don't know. Everything we do in our lives, every, every activity we participate in, we learn somewhere. Someone taught us how to do everything that we do, whether that was reading it out of a book uh, or learning it from a parent or, uh, or a teacher or a YouTube video. All of us learned everything that we do from somewhere. And to learn to serve like Jesus, we have to go to Jesus. We have to look at not just how he served, but why. Why why did Jesus do the things that he did? What was the motivation? What was the spirit behind it? And how did the Holy Spirit impact his life and ministry? And how was the fruit of the spirit 
evidenced in the life of Jesus? And who did he engage with? And where did he go? And how did he invest his time? And what, what did money mean to him? And, and, and what did possessions mean to him? We have to look at all of these things and understand from the life of Jesus so that we can then say, Lord, what are you calling me to? How are you calling me to pattern my life after yours? Matthew 20, 25 and 28 to 28, Jesus says this, says that Jesus called them to him and said, this is the disciples, says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must first uh, must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Here Jesus gives them the, the, the marching orders, the, 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 the gold standard, if you will. He says to them, you know, you can look at the world and you look at the way that people treat each other in the world. And those who are in authority, lord that authority, they abuse that authority, they hold it over people and they use it to manipulate. And really nothing has changed. We think we're living in unique times, but it was like this in the time of Jesus, that, that there were people in authority who abused that authority and, and, and were people who would take and would not give, that people who would tear down and not build up. And then Jesus says to them, this phrase should be just burned into our memory, burned into our souls. It shall not be so among you. This is not the way of the Christ follower. This is not the mark of a Christian, that we are not called to use our authority to, to lord it over people. We're called to serve. And Jesus says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you need to be the least. You need to serve. And then Jesus says of himself that he did not come to be served. Think about this for a second. The king of the universe, the creator of all things, the one who was present at creation, the one who was there when breath was breathed into Adam, when the stars were spoken into existence, when the world was formed, he was present and he is already present at the end of the age. He is already there. He is eternal. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the great I am. He is so majestic and so awesome. And here God in flesh makes this statement. He says, I did not come to be served. I did not come to be served, but I came to serve and I came to give my life as a ransom. Church, this is what we're called to. This is what we're called to be, that we're not called to be served, but we're called to serve. And this should press on us in so many different ways. This should make us more than a bit uncomfortable because we live in the midst of, the, in the midst of a world that seeks comfort, that we love to be served, we love to get, we love to gather, we love for our needs to be taken care of. But the way that Jesus calls us to follow him is to serve, it's to be a servant, it's to lower ourselves, to humble ourselves, and to follow the example of Jesus. 
my prayer over these next three months as we press into the Word of God is that we would have a revelation of what it means to serve like Jesus. And then we would not just meditate on those things, that we wouldn't just think about it, that we would then go and do it, that we would be the church, that, like I said earlier, that we would burn some calories, that we would put our words into action. In fact, James says, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. Jesus says that we need to take everything we've learned from him and put it into action, to, to put, put action to it, that we need to be active in the things of the kingdom. And he says, anyone who hears these words and does them will be blessed. But we have to know who we are following. We have to know the, the example that we're following. You have to know who Jesus is. And then we need to follow him wholeheartedly. Re rejecting and casting off the models of the past, the things that may have, we've picked up along the way that, that may be incorrect and align ourselves with the heart and with the person of Jesus Christ. So here's my invitation to you. Would you make sure to get a journal? Uh, we're going to have a place uh, to, today on the website. You can click a link to fill out a card, fill out a connect card. Uh, go to thriveglendora.org. You can re request a journal. We've printed a whole bunch of these. We're going to be mailing them to everyone that we have an address for. Uh, if we don't have your address, we'd love to send you one completely free of charge. If you prefer to have one uh, in a digital format, you can go to thriveglendora.org right on the homepage. There's a, a button that you can click to download a PDF version and you can save it on your phone. But I want to encourage you, young and old, our youth, our kids, men, women, people who've known Jesus for many years and maybe you're brand new to the faith. I want to invite you, continue in this journey Let's press in and discover who God is together. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that we have in you this incredible, perfect example of how to live and serve. And Lord, I ask for your forgiveness in the places in my life. And on behalf of our church, Lord, I ask for forgiveness in the places where we've spent more time trying to explain you and not enough time embracing you and living out what you've called us to live. And so, Lord, over these next three months, I pray that we would have an incredible revelation of who you are. Jesus, make yourself known. And then, God, would you empower us by your Holy Spirit to go out and be like Jesus, to serve like Jesus in the world around us. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have a great afternoon. I pray that you have a wonderful time with your family. Continue to get some rest. We look forward to seeing you next week. Please, please remember to invite someone to join you for service next week. God bless you.